PD Heart, Pediatric Cardiology Today. My name is Dr. Robert Pass, and I'm the host of this program. I am professor of pediatrics at the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai, where I am the chief of pediatric cardiology. Thank you for joining me this week for our 126th episode. I hope everybody enjoyed last week's replay episode number 58, in which we discussed the concept of AV valve regurgitation in the Fontan patient and the impact this has on outcomes. We spoke with Professor Eve Dudekem and Professor Frank Seta. And for those of you with an interest in Fontan physiology as well as adult congenital heart disease, I strongly recommend you take a listen to last week's episode 58. As I say every week, if you'd like to get in touch with me, it's easy to remember my email. It's pdheart at gmail.com. This week, we move on to the world of fetal cardiology, and we'll be reading an interesting paper. The title of the work is Associations of Assisted Reproductive Technologies and Twin Pregnancy with Risk of Congenital Heart Defects. The first author of this work is Shi Wu Wen, and the senior author is Mark Walker. And these authors come to us from the Omni Research Group in the Ottawa Hospital Research Institute. When we're done reviewing this paper, Professor Shi Wu Wen has kindly agreed to speak with us about this work. Therefore, let's get straight on to the article, and when we're done, we'll speak with Professor Wen. This week's work investigates the cause of congenital heart disease in patients who are the product of assisted reproductive technology, or ART. The authors start by reviewing the fact that there is increased risk for multiple adverse pregnancy outcomes in the setting of ART, with one of them being congenital heart disease, when compared to non-ART pregnancies. The authors explain that many factors have been associated with risk for adverse pregnancy outcomes, and these include such things as advanced maternal age, obesity, socioeconomic status, and pre-existing health problems, and that many of these factors are also associated with inability to conceive, and in prior works, when adjusting for these factors, the association between ART and congenital heart disease is reduced. The authors then review the fact that there is an increased risk for twin pregnancy with the use of ART. And it's already well known that the risks for adverse events in general, including risks for congenital heart disease, is enhanced in a twin pregnancy. And so there are, in fact, two factors that can impact risk for congenital heart disease in the ART patient, that of twinning and also the use of ART in the first place. And other prior studies have suggested that ART pregnancies have an increased risk for congenital heart disease, and this may be attributed to the increased number of twin pregnancies seen with ART. The authors then explain that there are a number of agencies that have suggested the importance of a fetal echo in an ART pregnancy, given the association between ART and congenital heart disease. And this is obviously costly, and so the authors argue that understanding these relationships is important in order to better inform decisions regarding whether fetal echocardiography should be used in ART pregnancies. And so the authors performed a large population-based study to examine the association between ART and congenital heart disease, and also to explore the associations of ART, twin pregnancies, and congenital heart disease with twin status, considered as a mediator in the analysis. And so, just to make this point clear, these relationships have been studied before, but the authors of this work are using a fairly gigantic data set in this work, and are using a novel mediation model to better define the relationships that have been previously suggested in other, perhaps less robust studies. For those unfamiliar with a mediation analysis, these form of analyses are employed to understand a known relationship by exploring the underlying mechanism or process by which one variable influences another variable through a mediator variable. In this case, 
It is the impact of twinning on the outcome of congenital heart disease. Mediation analysis facilitates a better understanding of the relationship between the independent and dependent variables when the variables appear to not have a definite connection. The methods of this study are complex, and I'll try my best to describe them. The authors reviewed all singleton and twin stillbirths and live births with follow-up to one year over a three-and-a-half-year period from April of 2012 to October of 2015 in Ontario, Canada, and these data were collected from the Better Outcomes Registry and Network, or the so-called BORN Registry, which impressively captures 100% of hospital and home births in Ontario. It is also important to note that the Canadian Assisted Reproductive Technologies Registry, or Carter Plus Registry, is also housed within the BORN, meaning that the authors had full access to all reproductive technology pregnancies and full information regarding this in their data set. For this study, the outcome of interest was major structural congenital heart disease. The exposure was the presence of assisted reproductive technology, again ART, which included intracytoplasmic sperm injection as well as in vitro fertilization without intracytoplasmic sperm injection. The so-called mediator in this analysis was twin status, and the authors state that, quote, because twin status is the intermediate step between ART and congenital heart disease, it is qualified as a potential mediator. It's important to note that the authors worked very hard to account for a very large number of confounders statistically in their model, and some of these confounders that they adjusted for included things such as maternal age, parity, pre-pregnancy obesity, maternal smoking, social drug use or alcohol consumption, folate intake during pregnancy, maternal mental illness, maternal hypertension, diabetes, heart disease, thyroid disease, lupus, asthma, HIV, and hepatitis. Logistic regression models were used, and the authors used odds ratios to estimate relative risk. The authors described fairly complex statistical methodologies to perform this mediation analysis, and they referenced the so-called causal med procedure, which estimates causal mediation effects from observational data. And the authors state that the two main questions of interest in this complex assessment were, first, how much of the overall association of ART and congenital heart disease risk was attributable to the association of ART with increased risk for twinning, which in turn affects congenital heart disease risk? And second, how much of the association of ART and congenital heart disease did not involve twinning? For those of you interested in complex statistical analyses of large data sets using fairly complicated statistical methodologies, I'd recommend you read the clear but complicated explanation for how the authors were able to determine the mediation relationships in this study. Importantly, the authors explained that a preliminary analysis showed that there was no major difference between IVF and intracytoplasmic sperm injection in regards to association with congenital heart disease, and so the entire group was used for this mediation analysis. And on to the results. There were 507,390 mother-infant pairs with singleton or twin pregnancies evaluated. Of these, 2%, or approximately 10,000, were assisted, and 497,000, or 98%, non-assisted. The twin rate was 18.5% in the assisted reproductive pregnancies and 1.4% in those not assisted, and this difference was significant. There are many data in this work, and I would certainly recommend that those interested in this topic review the work directly, and the link to this paper is in the show notes. 
However, I'm going to summarize the most important findings. First, the prevalence of congenital heart disease was 2.2% amongst assisted pregnancies, and this was higher than in non-assisted pregnancies, where the prevalence was 1.2%, with an odds ratio of 1.82. Second, after adjusting for many risk factors for congenital heart disease, the strength of the association between assisted pregnancy and congenital heart defects decreases, but this odds ratio still existed and was slightly lower but still significant at 1.7. Third, using this complex mediation analysis, the authors were able to statistically in their model prove that most of the association between assisted pregnancy and congenital heart defects was mediated by twinning with an odds ratio of 1.68 and this analysis showed that the direct association of assisted pregnancy with congenital heart defects among singleton pregnancies was 1.1. Thus, mediation of twinning accounted for 87% of the association between assisted reproductive technologies and congenital heart disease. In their discussion, the authors note that, quote, this large population-based study found that compared with infants born to mothers who conceived without using ART, infants born to mothers who conceived with ART were at higher risk for congenital heart disease, and that the association was largely mediated by twinning. The contributions to overall excess risk from other associations of ART were smaller and not statistically significant, but the results do not rule out possible small contributions of those mechanisms to excess risk. The investigators review how this form of mediation analysis performed in this work is different from prior studies of the contribution of twinning to congenital heart disease, and they review the differences in using twinning as a mediator rather than a confounder, and why they believe that considering it as a confounder results in a less robust statistical analysis of this issue. And they re-emphasize how this work demonstrated that up to 87% of congenital heart disease observed in the ART patient is due to twinning and not ART per se. They speak of the practical applications of this finding, suggesting that perhaps fetal echoes should not be performed in all ART pregnancies, as is often done, but instead, it might be more cost-effective to do so only in twin pregnancies. They also suggest the possibility of considering a policy of single embryo transfer, given the enhanced risk with twins, and they wonder if such a policy might positively impact other twin-associated disorders that are seen. The authors review the many possible strengths of this work, including the fact that 100% of hospital and home births in Ontario were included, the gigantic size of the data set, the quality of the data, and the use of multiple sources of data to ensure accuracy and a complete capture. In regards to limitations, they speak of failure to account for ethnicity, household income, or maternal education in this work, which are all factors known to be associated with congenital heart disease. They didn't know information regarding donor versus own gametes in this work, amongst other limitations. And so they conclude that this study found that the observed association between ART and congenital heart disease may be substantially mediated by twinning. We believe that this finding is important to the clinical practice of perinatal medicine and to policymaking. The robustness of this analytic strategy should be tested in the assessment of the association of ART with congenital heart disease in other populations and ART with other perinatal outcomes that may share similar mechanisms of congenital heart disease. Well, in point of fact, there are many findings in this work that are perhaps well known to the fetal cardiologists who may be listening to this podcast, 
including the associations of twin pregnancy and ART with congenital heart disease. Moreover, you may even know already about the previously determined impact of twinning on congenital heart disease in the ART patient. What makes this work important is the statistical mediation analysis, as well as the positively gigantic data set. This is important because policy decisions regarding cost containment are always considered, and if we're going to consider reducing the numbers of fetal echocardiograms, there needs to be an important rationale, and this work seems to be suggesting that ART, in and of itself, is perhaps not an adequate rationale for fetal echocardiography. I'm sure this is a highly controversial topic, and for this reason, I'll not dip my toes into this murky water. But I do think it would be fair to say that this work does provide us with a lot of information to at least question the notion of echoing all fetuses from ART pregnancies, and may even influence the practice of ART in regards to creation of singleton or twin pregnancies. At this point, I think we should stop talking about the article and speak with the authors. As you know, I record the podcast in parts throughout the week. Dr. Wen was kind enough to agree to speak with us this week. However, later in the week, he wrote to say that he asked two of his co-authors to join him on the interview this week. And so we have a rarity for the podcast, three guests for the price of one. Shi Wu Wen is a perinatal epidemiologist and professor of epidemiology and community medicine at the University of Ottawa, as well as a senior scientist at the Ottawa Health Research Institute. He is also the co-founder of the Perinatal Epidemiology Omni Group, and he has published over 210 publications in many prominent journals. Also joining us is Jane Loheed, who is the Chief of Cardiology at the University of Ottawa. She is actually the current chair of the Examination Board in Pediatric Cardiology at the Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons of Canada, and is a well-known expert in fetal cardiology, neuromuscular disorders, and pediatric heart failure. Finally, also joining us is Arthur Leder. Professor Leder is a full professor of OBGYN and medicine at the University of Ottawa and is one of the leading IVF experts in Canada. His practice is limited to reproductive care with particular interest in assisted human reproduction, as well as male infertility and reproductive endocrinology, and he is one of the acknowledged leaders in reproductive care in the entire country of Canada. It is a great pleasure to have all three experts join us this week. What a special week. Welcome, Dr. Wen, Dr. Lohid, and Dr. Leader. Okay, I'm here now with Dr. Wen. Dr. Lohid, and also Dr. Leader. Uh, thank you so much, all of you, for uh, joining us this week to be on the podcast. Thank you for having us. It's a, it's thank a, you. Thank you. It's a great pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to just ask the questions, and since you all were involved in this work, why don't you, you can decide who wants to answer which question. First of all, congratulations on a really extraordinary work. I mean, when I look at the statistical analysis, I'm just overwhelmed. It's really quite something. So I, I appreciate, I hope you won't mind if I ask you a few lowbrow questions about statistics. You know, your work is a mediation analysis. For those in the audience who are not as familiar with this form of statistical assessment and its advantages, I wonder if you might be able to share with us a basic description of this form of analysis and explain to us why you believe it might offer a more robust approach to assessing relationships between observations versus other forms of statistical analysis. This is Dr. Wen uh, from Ottawa. Yes. I, uh, I'm the PF for this uh, project. So uh, the mediation analysis has been used in social science for many years, but it's a new concept introduced into epidemiology only recently. Hmm. 
uh, instead of trying to assess whether a disease or a condition is caused by a exposure, mediation analysis is trying to partition a cause into direct cause uh, or the exposure, the, the assisted uh, reproductive technology here. And the indirect cause or the mediate the uh, twin in our study because twin is uh, standing between assisted reproductive technology and congenital heart disease because uh, uh, twin is caused largely by assisted reproductive technology on the other hand twins is uh, a major cause of congenital heart disease so it meets the definition of mediate. I see. The, the reason we, uh, uh, we try to do this instead of treating uh, twin as a traditional confounder, because confounder doesn't have a direction. Uh, confounder is just uh, associated with both exposure and uh, uh, outcome. I will give you a example, a typical example of traditional uh, confounder. But here, in our study, uh, we we believe uh, by differential mediator from uh, traditional confounder is one step more forward, not perfect, still not perfect, because we know biomedical research is complicated, but uh, this uh, uh, mediation cannot solve all the problems we are meeting but by differential traditional confounder uh, with mediator is one step forward mm -hmm. because it's illustrate uh, the, the association more clearly theoretically but practically as well I see uh, well a, 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 a typical uh, traditional confounder here I can give you is the age for example, age is associated with assisted reproductive technology. Yes. And age is definitely uh, associated with congenital heart disease, uh, congenital anomaly, any anomaly is increased with age. Yes. And uh, the, the age, old age is one primary reason to do uh, assisted reproductive technology. So it's, but it's not in the middle. Mm. You see the difference? Yes. So this, it's not in the middle. It's associated with both. So what you are doing treating age is a, a confounder. So you just adjust it. Mm. You cannot quantify and you cannot just uh, uh, how to make it directionally, uh, uh, how is a causation uh, a pathway. Mm. So uh, we believe this is uh, how theoretically uh, the advantage of, of mediation analysis, but it will have a uh, practical uh, implication as well. So in other words, as opposed to certain other forms of analysis where you see associations, mediation analysis is a little bit more in terms of causation. Would that be a fair statement? Uh, I would say it's more uh, trying to look at uh, uh, pathway. Mm. It's uh, the, because uh, uh, you cannot say treat, uh, adjusting for confounder is not trying to to sort a, a cause causation because 
what what you treating causation is you just uh, try to isolate the real uh, effect of uh, of the exposure here is the assisted reproductive technology when you but the age is a major confounding uh, confounder because it's associated with both so you when you adjust you get the pure effect of uh, assisted reproductive technology that's the purpose of of the uh, adjusting I that's see. still trying to sort out causation to see if it's real cause but here is uh, instead of just isolate the cause but you try to uh, sort if it's an indirect or direct cause got it got it well that's very interesting Thank you for explaining that to we people in the audience who are so poor with statistics. That was really quite something. Thank you, Dr. Wen. You know, uh, your work suggests that it is twinning that accounts for most of the association between assisted reproductive technologies and congenital heart disease. I was wondering if you might be able to offer your thoughts on why you believe this may be. This uh, phenomenon uh, occurred because a twin is strongly associated with both. So it's uh, associated with uh, assisted reproductive technology, uh, but it's, it's, it's caused by assisted reproductive technology because uh, we know the, uh, um, uh, the drugs, the multiple transfer, uh, uh, all cause uh, twins. Yes. And congenital heart disease, this question maybe Dr. Lo here can be better yeah. answer for me, but congenital heart disease, I think somehow twin can cause congenital heart disease, but I leave that to to Dr. Loha. And mathematically, when you, we treat a twin as a mediate, it explains a lot of the effect uh, of AR-assisted uh, reproductive on congenital uh, heart disease. It, but it's theoretically, mathematically. However, uh, there are still some residual effect of assisted reproductive technology on congenital heart disease among singletons. Yeah, I mean, if I could jump in, I would say that, you know, for the for the monochorionic twins, I think, you know, with the shared placenta, we do have some theories of how the placental vascular anastomoses might cause some fluctuations in fetal blood flow, might account for um, some of these differences in heart development, and it makes some physiological sense this way, and it also might explain some of the dominance of outflow tract anomalies, especially right ventricular outflow tract anomalies in the monochorionic twin uh, pregnancies. For the dichorionic twins, it's a little more challenging, I think, to understand from a physiology perspective. I'm not an obstetrician, I'm a pediatric cardiologist, but, um, you know, and I think some of it could be due to, to over-reporting of things like PDAs, and a number of the studies do report on PDAs as congenital heart disease, and that certainly could have an impact from premature birth. Um, 
but um, and, and in our study, we excluded PDA specifically because you know they, although they may need to be treated, they're not sort of a traditional form of congenital heart disease that we would really you know uh, um, consider as much as we would something like you know hypoplastic left heart syndrome. Um, so, but beyond that, it's hard to understand um, you know unless it is some impact of some ART phenomenon that we're just not um, not fully aware of that is only specific to twins. Um, yeah, so, so yes, yeah, so yeah, I mean, I think the physiology is a bit hard to understand in a dichronic uh, situation. Got it. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Lohid. I'm wondering, guys, if you believe that the data you've presented are adequate to consider stopping the policy of performing fetal echocardiograms on most ART singleton pregnancies. And if not, in your view, what, what do you think is needed to make the next step to make that leap to stop doing that on I am not a fetal cardiologist, but I know that my fetal cardiologists that work for me often question the practice, and um, I'm wondering what your thoughts are based on your present data. I mean, so a few caveats. I mean, this is Canadian data, so it's reflective of our population, so we need to take care in applying that universally because our population isn't necessarily the same as every other country's. Um, and we also considered all types of congenital heart disease except for PDAs and PFOs um, and not all of these are actually detectable by fetal echo or are important to detect by fetal echo like a small mid-muscular VSD we don't really need to diagnose those by fetal echo um, so you know what we did demonstrate was that in this population the risk in the singleton ART babies was only modestly elevated over the general population risk and so I think with this data and with confidence in your local screening abilities to detect major congenital heart disease on your level two or um, uh, morphology uh, ultrasounds, I'm personally comfortable uh, making a leap to not performing fetal echo on the singleton ART fetuses. Again, that's with, with good local cardiac screening by my obstetrical or the radiology team with good four chamber cine loop views, three vessel views, three vessel tracheal views, mm. where the majority of severe congenital heart disease can be excluded. And that's really what we're looking for. We're looking for major congenital heart disease where making a prenatal diagnosis either provides the opportunity to interrupt a pregnancy or to have an impact on the, the long-term, um, short and long-term outcome of the child. Well, that makes great sense, and that was very clear. Thank you, Dr. Lohid. The main finding of your work is that of the impact of twinning on congenital heart disease. Most of the listeners of this podcast, myself included, are not perinatologists or IVF specialists. I'm wondering if you could explain to the audience why it is common to create twin pregnancies when ART is used, and do you believe that these data that you and others have reported regarding the impact of twinning and congenital heart disease, as well as other diseases, is enough to consider moving to a practice of singleton ART? I, I appreciate my knowledge of this topic is exceedingly tiny, so I apologize for the perhaps the basic level of this question, but I'm wondering if you had any thoughts on this. I, I suppose to leave this question to Dr. Lee, but uh, uh, because he seems to uh, have difficult, I try. I'm on, uh, oh. Dr. Mann, I'm on. Sorry. Oh, we have Dr. Leader. That's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for your patience. No, uh, my knowledge of pediatrics is smaller than your knowledge of uh, IVF. So. Well, we'll have a competition later. <laughs> <laughs> But when this study was done, Canada was in a transition. We had the highest multiple pregnancy rate in the world, so the time with the United States is 30%. When the study was done, we were transitioning from a multiple pregnancy rate of 
to currently it's about 7%. The reason that we have multiple pregnancies is that in older women, the embryos are less efficient and sometimes in the interest of achieving a pregnancy, two embryos might be transferred. Uh, regrettably, some of those embryos are perfectly normal and healthy and they lead to a twin pregnancy. There is a tremendous move uh, in Canada and the United States and around the world to move to single embryo transfer to decrease the risk of twins. But occasionally a day five or blastocyst transfer will split and lead to a twin pregnancy. Currently, the uh, twin pregnancy rates are close to 5%, and that's probably going to be very difficult to bring down any further. Where we're seeing an increase in twinning rates or uh, no decrease, decreases in artificial insemination with fertility drugs, so-called superovulation IUI, where the goal is to, to have one or two mature follicles before doing the insemination. So we're never going to be rid of this. In terms of the couple, when the idea of decreasing the risk of multiples is presented, uh, the data from this study will be one among other issues that will be presented to the couple to try to encourage them to accept the recommendation of a single transfer. I see. Uh, wow. Well, that was very helpful, and I learned a lot from that. Thank you very much, Dr. Leader. Well, at this point, I think I'm going to stop with the questions. I want to thank our guests, uh, Dr. Wen, Dr. Lohid, and Dr. Leader. Uh, congratulations to all of you and your many co-investigators on a really extraordinary work. I mean, I can't imagine a study where every pregnancy, over 500,000 in a region, were included in the same in one study with no loss of capture of patients. I don't even want to think about how difficult that effort was, but I am uh, awed by it, and I wish to congratulate all of you. Really wonderful work. Thank you. Thank uh, you. My pleasure. Well, I don't know about you, but I learned an awful lot about perinatology, ART and IVF from these three acknowledged experts. What a wonderful opportunity to have three experts in three areas of medicine all on the same podcast at the same time. I won't go over all of their erudite answers as they were all very clear. I just want to express my thanks to all three guests for their kindness in giving us their time to discuss this very important and intriguing work. To conclude this 126th episode of the podcast, we'll hear the magnificent Modenese soprano Mirella Freni singing the beautiful aria Son Pochi Fiori from the opera L'Amico Fritz by Mascagni. Thank you very much for joining me this week for our 126th episode, and thanks so much to Dr. Wen. I look forward to seeing everybody next week for episode 127.